Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as we continue our series called Advent Conspiracy. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us at the Yellow Box on Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, let, me, let me start with this. Um, how many of you already started your Christmas shopping? Raise your hand. Started Christmas shopping. <clears throat> Very good. How many of you are thinking, I got 20 more days to go? I got there. There you go. Those are my people. Those are my people. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Here, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious about this one, too. How many of you have ever ended up buying, you find yourself buying a Christmas gift, and it's really for someone that you don't really know them that well? You don't really maybe even like them that much? Or in some weird way, you just ended up being obligated, and so you have to buy them a gift. Have that experience? All right, there's several of us in here. Okay, so um, we end up buying lots of Christmas gifts for lots of people for lots of, lots of reasons, and here is a weird one. Maybe it'll be familiar. Okay, well, thank you for that, but I got you and Leonard a few silly neighbor gifts, so I'll just put them under my tree. Wait, you bought me a present? Uh-huh. Well, why would you do such a thing? I don't know, because it's Christmas. Oh, Penny. I know you think you're being generous, but the foundation of gift giving is reciprocity. You haven't given me a gift. You've given me an obligation. Don't feel bad, Penny. It's a classic rookie mistake. My first Hanukkah with Sheldon, he yelled at me for eight nights. Give me anything in return? Of course I do. The essence of the custom is that I now have to go out and purchase for you a gift of commensurate value and representing the same perceived level of friendship as that represented by the gift you've given me. Okay, you know what? Forget it. I'm not giving you a present. No, he's too late. I see it. That elf sticker says to Sheldon. <laughs> the die has been cast. The moving finger has writ. Hannibal has crossed the Alps. <laughs> I know it's funny when it's not happening to us. <laughs> Sheldon, I am very, very sorry. You no, know, no, I brought this on myself by being such an endearing and important part of your life. <laughs> I'm going to need a ride to the mall. It's happening to us. <laughs> I'll tell you what, every Christmas, of course, you know, we all end up buying lots of lots, lots and lots of gifts for lots of people for lots of reasons, including some weird ones. Um, but is it possible, and I think this is true, the stress that sometimes comes with, with the spending and the, and the shopping and all the things trying to make it just right can cause many of us to actually miss Christmas. Um, I ran across a story just this week, kind of brings home this idea of missing Christmas. A guy named Omar Rodriguez. Omar Rodriguez was a master chef aboard a U.S. aircraft carrier. And he was in charge of the menu. 400, 400, 400 um, uh, sailors, three meals a day. And the ship was sailing across... Uh, the Australian waters, and they were going to be at sea, he recognized this, on Christmas Day. So Rodriguez decided that he was going to give, kind of above and beyond, and give his crew the gift of a traditional Christmas meal. And, uh, you know, all the trimmings, everything to go with it. So to prepare this extraordinary gift, he, he ordered extra special provisions. And he, is, he and his staff worked extra hard to make sure that the, the evening meal, uh, this holiday meal, was going to be just right. So at 5.45, the place is set, the turkey's done. The dinner rolls are cooked to perfection. 
The apple pie was hot from the oven. Mm, can you almost smell it? There you go. And 5.50, the whole crew sat down for the big Christmas dinner. But just one problem. After all that work, it turned out not to be the Christmas dinner at all. Because at 5.48, the ship had crossed the international date line, and it was now December 26th. <laughs> all that work, and Rodriguez had missed Christmas. Now, when I read the story, I thought to myself, I'm going, I'm, the sailors are still eating that. They're still having a good time, right? Of course. But I think it still makes a point. And the point is this. Have you ever felt like some years that you, you, know, you buy all the gifts, you, you do all the extra hard work, you do everything you can to make Christmas extra special, and somehow you end up missing the whole thing? And maybe you end up missing what God has for you during this season. And so that's what we're doing. We're in the second week of our series called Advent Conspiracy. And Advent just marks the four weeks leading up to Christmas. And what we're doing as a community, all the locations, we're, we're conspiring. We're conspiring together to say we're going to take a, a different approach to Christmas. So as not to miss the true wonder of this season. And never let this be wasted on you. Let it rattle your brain and, and, and kind of make your heart beat fast. That, that, that Christmas is about God is now with us. God is right here beside us. God has become one of us. Now, I think one of the reasons that we sometimes miss Christmas, is kind of ironic, because I think it's due to maybe one of the things we love most about Christmas, and that has to do with gift giving. And if we step back just, just for a minute, it's a little bit crazy that for not all of us, but for many of us in this room, we make an annual decision, all right, to spend money we don't have, to accrue credit card debt that we'll struggle to pay off, and attempt to prove our love through gifts that oftentimes go to a lot of folks that we don't know that well and sometimes maybe we don't even like that much. <laughs> now, before I go any further, I want you to know I am not here to be the Grinch, all right? I love Christmas. I mean, I love Christmas. I love the singing. I love the parties. I love gift giving. I love gift receiving. I love the whole thing, right? I love, 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 love Christmas. My intention today is not to make you feel bad, but here's my intention for every one of you. I want you to feel free, to feel free. I want every one of us to have permission, if we need it, and this, if this is the message that God has for you today, for you to actually spend less this Christmas. I don't want December 24th, 25th, 26th to come and go, and you have this feeling like, wow, I, I just missed whatever it was that God really wanted me to experience this Christmas. And what I also don't want, I don't want the end of January to show up, and you get that credit card bill in the mail, and you open that up, and you go like, wow, did I really think that's what Christmas is all about? Now, before we're too hard on ourselves, let's remember, we are not the first generation to miss Christmas. If you go back and you read the gospel story about Christmas, okay, and let's say you read it like with, with, with brand new eyes for the very first time, what you'll discover as you read it is almost everybody missed Christmas. Almost everybody missed what happened that very first Christmas. Almost everybody missed that wonder of God with us, God beside us. Look, God has now become one of us. But there was one guy who had every reason in the world to miss it, but somehow he didn't. And uh, it was this guy, Joseph. Joseph was pledged to be married to a girl named Mary. Now, unlike engagements in our day, um, engagements back then, when you got engaged, I mean, it was the same thing as being married. And when you got engaged, the only way you get out of this is a, a divorce or a death. 
All right? I mean, it's not kind of like a preparation or a sequel to a marriage, right? Does that make sense? I remember I had a friend, I had a friend, I had a friend in college, and he dated this girl for a long, 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 long time. I mean, dated so long, everybody was like, come on, just, just ask her for Pete's sake. He, total fear of commitment, total fear of commitment, right? Worst case, I think I've ever seen. Finally, he proposes to her, they get engaged, and I remember, like, it was the day after I, got, I heard the news, I went up to him and I said, hey, Ben, congratulations, I hear you're, I hear you're getting married. He looks at me, kind of awkwardly, and goes like, married? Who's thinking about getting married? I just got engaged, <laughs> right? Dude, it's, it's coming, you know. All right, so that, it was different, okay, <clears throat> in Joseph's day. When you got engaged, now you're like, you're like married. Now, before there was any ceremony, any reception, any honeymoon, anything like that, something unexpected happened. And Matthew tells us in these words, he says this, she, which is Mary, Mary found out, Mary was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. How many of you have heard the Christmas story before? I'm just, let's go quick show of hands. Help me out here. How many of you have heard the Christmas story before? Okay, we're a vast percentage. We've heard the Christmas story before. Here's what I need you to do. I need to, 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 to kind of enter into the story like it's not so familiar. So instead, let's kind of press stop and notice some things here. Because for this guy, Joseph, right, this is a major life-changing deal. When he hears this, he's got to be going like, Mary's found to be what? Mary's found to be Who? Mary's found to be how? Because it ain't mine. And the one thing he knows for sure, I am not the daddy. Try to, just go ahead, try to kind of step into his shoes for just a minute. Think about how Joseph must have felt. I mean, this woman that you love, this woman you've been saving everything for, including yourself, this, this, this girl you're building a house for, you're looking forward to, to building a future with, your fiance, she's pregnant. And you know there's no possible way this baby could be yours. <clears throat> Think, okay, are you with me now? Think about the emotions, okay, that he must have been feeling. I mean, he had, I mean, his pride. Think about how embarrassed he is. He had to feel used, inadequate, kind of betrayed, angry. He had to be going like, how in the world did I get myself in this situation? I mean, the turmoil around all this was plenty enough reason for Joseph to miss that very first Christmas. Are you with me? I mean, any reasonable person, based on how he felt, wouldn't have thought twice about sticking around or sticking with her. And then on top of this, and we don't know this oftentimes, but let me, let me kind of give you some, some thoughts here. On top of this, there's another factor that would have weighed very heavy, and that's his culture. Nobody, 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 not anybody would have expected Joseph to stick with Mary. In fact, there would have been a lot of pressure for him to do the exact opposite. In that culture, when this word got out, everyone assumed that Mary was the one and she just committed the unforgivable sin. And according to societal norms, even if Joseph wanted to give her another chance, he couldn't because the laws demanded, okay, that he had to divorce his wife. Because if he didn't, he would be guilty of adultery. He was expected and obligated. And in fact, if he didn't divorce her, he would lose tremendous status in the community. And it's kind of hard for us to get our mindset into kind of this, this, this way of thinking. But let me, let me try this. Um, how many are familiar with, um, it's in the news every now and then over the last several years, what they call, what they call them this, it's a terrible name, honor killings. From a, lot, a lot of times in Middle Eastern culture, honor killings. Okay, honor killings are... In a, in a more male-dominated society where the man perceives that the woman has done something that's brought shame onto the family. 
He has to restore honor to the family. And so he has the right and often will kill the woman. Does that make sense? I'm not saying it makes sense, but do you understand? Okay, if you can kind of get into that kind of a mindset, that's what we're dealing with here too. And so a man who refused a divorce an unfaithful woman, then they would say, no, then Joseph, you're culpable for infidelity and you would be despised. Despised for letting your love for her outweigh you wanting to restore honor to your family. So are you, are you with this? Joseph had every right to walk away. Now, if you're reading this story for the first time with brand new eyes and you may not realize it, you guess what? He does. He makes the decision, I'm out of here. Maybe you didn't notice this before, but look at Matthew 1, 19. He says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the, what's the word right here? Say it real loud. What's the word? Law. law, yeah. Well, you know what? Here's what culture says, here's what the law says. But his heart did not want to expose her to the public disgrace, so he had in mind, I'll divorce her, I'll do it quietly. He didn't want to punish her, but he wasn't going to stick with her. And nobody blamed him. Everybody would have supported him. But then, as is often the way with God, something unexpected happens. And we find it in the next two verses. It says this. But after he, okay, Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. In other words, the DNA results are in and it is divine DNA, <laughs> right? God's the father. And so guess, guess what, Joseph? You're invited to get over your fear and adopt that baby as your own. And I want you to notice something here. What's this word right here? I'm gonna point to it. Say it out loud. What's that word? Angel. Whenever you see, I, now, the Bible's full of angels. I believe in angels. I think the Bible tells us about angels. But the most important thing about angels, though, every time you see an angel is a message from God, a messenger from God. How clear would the message have to be for you, to, if you were Joseph, to have to change your whole life. Well, the message was that clear. And he starts to see things differently. He starts to act differently. And he takes Mary home and says, no, I'm sticking with you, honey. You're going to be my wife. Now, here's what I want you to get. And I think this, this may be the most important big idea for, for, for all of you in this room, okay? This may be the most important thing you get. And I'm going to make some more specific application, but please get this. Joseph's decision was totally countercultural. Joseph's decision was totally countercultural. Turn to somebody and say, wow, that was countercultural. Just say it, okay? That was countercultural. That's right. That was countercultural. What Joseph did, nobody would do that. Nobody would do that. And it was, but it was a result of what he believed was a message straight from God. Joseph lived a life from then on that went against the norms of society, that went against the sexual ethics of his day, the relational ethics of his day, even against the laws of his day, because he believed he'd received a message straight from God. He'd heard God's word. And because he did what God said, and not what, hear me on this, not what others thought he ought to do, not even what he felt, oh, I feel, oh my gosh, I get so sick of that, what I feel I ought to do, right? Instead, he decided, no, I'm gonna listen to God's word and live counterculturally, and because of that, he didn't miss that very first Christmas. Think how important that was. He made a purposeful, intentional, difficult choice to go with the word of God. And as a result, guess what? Jesus got a dad and Joseph got a savior. He didn't miss out. He was there on that first Christmas night. And as I've been, as I've been uh, kind of pouring over the story over the, over the last week or so, you know what? This Joseph, he, he inspires me. 
And it, it reminds me that, that when God has a message for me, if it's countercultural, that's what I do. And, and I don't want to miss Christmas like he didn't miss Christmas, and it may require me making countercultural decisions as well. Are you tracking with me on that? Here, let me just let, let me make it really plain. For those of you that already have decided to be followers of Jesus, what you've made is you've made a decision that when God speaks, I obey. And oftentimes that's going to be countercultural. It's going to be against what other people think makes sense. It's going to be against the norms a lot of times in our society. And it may even sometimes be against the law. But it's because that's because he's Lord. Are you tracking with me? For those of you that are finding your way back to God, and you're taking those steps, and we're challenging you with this idea of following Jesus, making him Lord and leader of your life. That's what you're signing up for. That's what you're signing up for. Now, let me give you some examples, okay? We live in a culture where the norm is, the norm is normal around here, is excessive consumerism and consumption. Now, for you and me to spend less, if we all decided, because God's what God wants, to spend less, that would be incredibly countercultural. Now, I'm not saying don't buy Christmas gifts for the important people in your life. I see we have several teenagers in here and they're all breathing a sigh of relief, going, Shh, like, Dave, you're killing me out here. Come on, buddy, help me out. Right? I love Christmas, right? Wait till I become a parent, then you can rally for this cause. Um, we're gonna, actually, we're gonna, next week, come back next week because we're going to talk about gift giving. Gift giving can be a powerful thing. It's actually a great thing. We're going to talk about that next week. But let me ask you this. When people say, how are you spending Christmas? Think about literally, how are you spending Christmas? Okay? In 2014, the average family spent $861 just on Christmas gifts. 2015, the average family spent $882. This next year, the average family will spend just on gifts alone well over the $900 mark. Now, the more important question, even the amount, is why? Why, why, why? Why do we spend? And why do we spend so much sometimes? I think sometimes it's because we think it's going to make us happy. Oh, the stuff makes me happy. It ought to make them happy. I think sometimes we do it because we want to impress people. We want to, we want to feel important, so we give this big thing, this extravagant thing. It becomes a part of our identity, of who we are, by giving this stuff. Or sometimes we feel pressure. That if I really love someone, I have to match it with a, with, a, with a dollar amount on a price tag. When we spend what God has given us, hear me on this, when we spend with what God has given us without regard to what God wants, without regard to what God wants, the story of Jesus becomes not the reason for the season, but it's kind of like an opening act and the main attraction happens somewhere at the mall. And what we forget is this baby, this baby came to earth, right? Here's what he had to say. He said, watch out. Countercultural folks, watch out. You be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. And here's the thing. Hey, man, I'll tell you what, especially where we live, it, over and over and over and over and over again, we get tricked into believing that fulfillment is going to be found in what money can buy, don't we? Over and over again we do. How many Jim Carrey fans we got here? Jim Carrey fans? Anybody like Jim Carrey? All right, men. How many like Dumb and Dumber? There we go. That's what I thought. Nicely done. Well, this was not a dumb and dumber statement. He's not a great theologian, but I'll tell you what. He nailed it on this one. Check this out. I love this. I found this. Jim, Jim Carrey said this. He said, you know what? I think everybody should get rich and famous. Oh, sounds good so far, right? I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so, this was his own experience, so they can see that it's not the answer. So they can see it's not the answer. See, the story of Christmas is what we're really looking for, not the American dream. We're looking for a God who showed up in a manger to two nobodies who couldn't even find their way into a hotel, but they didn't miss Christmas. 
And I don't want any of us to miss it either. And so here's what we're doing. We're conspiring together. We're conspiring together as a community saying, you know what? The approach this Christmas is going to be countercultural. We're going to, we, in fact, we may spend less this year and not get caught up in all the other stuff. Because first thing first is we're not going to miss Christmas, anything that God has for us. All right. So maybe you're sitting there going, okay, help me out, Dave. Make this really practical. Bring it down here. Put the cookies on the, on the bottom tray so I can access them here. Okay. Here it is. Let me give you three things. Three things you can do as you walk out those doors this week. Right? Three things. Very practical. First thing, if you want to be kind of countercultural and you feel like this is God's message for you, here it is. Let me challenge you with this. What if you decide, you know, I'm going to spend wisely? And the truth is, statistics tell us, in a room this, this many people, most of us will spend way more, way beyond our means over the next month or so. Now, what can help us avoid that pitfall? Simply spending wisely, setting a budget. And I know the B word is kind of like a bad word. It sounds like it ruins all the fun. But it doesn't have to be that way. A budget... Okay, can actually take charge of our decisions instead of letting our culture make those decisions. When we prayerfully say, okay, God, thank you for everything you've given me. Here's how much I want to really enjoy this Christmas. That's a countercultural decision. And setting a budget, it doesn't mean you can't, you know, you, you can't eat out, you can't throw a party, you can't buy gifts. But what it does, it means when you reach in there and you slap down that plastic, that you don't have to have that anxious feeling like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to pay for this? Or, oh my gosh, I know it's going to cause me to go in debt. Because what God, in fact, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. All the stuff that he's given you, he has given you. He wants, and it's for your enjoyment. But you have to enjoy it within the parameters that he's given you. Because if you start enjoying it out here, hey, he didn't give you that. <laughs> and that's why it becomes unenjoyable. So spend wisely. Here, here's the second thing. Let me throw this one at you. Spend creatively. Um, it's funny how we, at Christmas time, have these kind of self-imposed rules. Did any of you have the rule in your house that, if you have kids, that uh, the, all the kids, we have to spend the exact same amount on all the kids? Anybody do that? Exact, yeah. We, and you make yourself nuts, right? Because you got the youngest kid, okay, that, we've, that we haven't spent nearly as much as the oldest kid. So then we run around trying to figure, how can I spend 20 more bucks on the youngest kid so it all comes out even, as if they're going to tally up the math and do it. You know, they're not going to do that, right? But somehow it's, like, it's not fair in our heads. And we make ourselves just nuts to try to do that. Well, one family I know got rid of that and they changed the even-steven policy to this. They said, instead, we give everybody three gifts instead of a total amount, three gifts. And here's what we do. I thought this was pretty smart. We give everybody something they want. We give everybody something they need. And then we give everybody something they can experience. Something they want, something they need, something they can experience. Like something they want, like you get, you get like the cool Lego set, right? Oh, that's something I wanted. They're happy about that. Something I need, you get a sweater. Mm, okay. <laughs> right you know how it is right and then and then and then a cool experience like bulls tickets right that'd be that's because that's what i want but that'd be cool right so that something experience it what if we begin to think about that spend creatively like that or this or you know what here's the other thing gift giving doesn't have to be money i mean just shift your paradigm just a little it doesn't have to be money it could be time it could be acts of service um i just had a, i just had a birthday and for my birthday, my daughter Amy got me a gift. She gave me a card, and in the card was a, a gift certificate. And the gift certificate was one that she made, and um, it was a gift certificate where she said she would help me clean out my closet. <laughs> any of you guys? Any, any of you guys got closets where, like, you you know, you just don't have time to clean them out, and you got like clothes in there from like ten years, are all crammed in the back, and it's just like that's my closet. It's just it's it's horrific, right? And it'd be awesome. I need that. I need help. Someone come, please help me clean my closet. And I get to hang out with my daughter, Amy. I thought that was an awesome gift. 
What if we started thinking, they'll spend creatively? Let me give you one more too. What if we did this? Spend purposefully. Purposefully. Purposeful, purposeful spending means balancing our wants and our needs with the needs of others in our community and around the world. What if we lived more simply? So some folks can simply live. I, don't, um, I, had, one, I had one dad tell me this uh, last Christmas. Last Christmas, they're opening, it's Christmas Day, they're opening all the gifts, right? Open all the gifts. You can imagine the chaos, right? The excitement and everything. They finish all the gifts and one of his kids looks at him and he says, is that it? Is that it? Now, before you get too judgmental, this is a terrific family too, right? And I just told him, that's why kids need parents, okay? <laughs> and, and he, but it did, he said, it kind of hit him. He said, he said, you know what? I don't want that attitude. I don't want that value being passed on to my kids about Christmas. I don't want them to think that Christmas is this moment in time that's all about you getting everything you want. Are you with me on that? And so they actually made an intentional decision to start spending purposefully where they would take their family out and they would say, as a family, how can we begin to buy gifts for other people other than ourselves that need them? Now, one of the great things, I love this here at Community, we've done this for a number of years now, we have our Christmas gift mart. This Christmas gift mart, if you've not been a part of this, is so awesome. If, if you're single, married, or if you have a family, I would encourage you to be a part of this thing, to volunteer for it, but also bring gifts. And I would say, if you, especially young families, Take your families out with you. Buy the gifts together. Explain to them what you're doing. Okay? Explain to them what you're doing. That it's not all just about them. This year our goal is to have 12,000. This is awesome. 12,000 brand new toys. Don't you love that? And we're going to set up a gift mart. We're going to invite in 1,800 families from neighborhoods uh, in Aurora and Naperville and Joliet who can't afford to have a Christmas kind of like we would, many of us can on our own. We're going to charge them. The, the toys we'll buy will be between 10, like $10 and $25. We're going to charge them $2 per toy. And when they buy those toys, they get to, the cool thing about it, they get to buy the toys for their kids. So it's like with dignity, they purchased the toys for their kids. It wasn't just a handout. But then we take that $2 per toy and we give that back to the local schools in their neighborhood to buy computers, to buy musical instruments, to buy athletic equipment that they can't afford. And over the last 13 years, We've actually raised over $160,000. Is that awesome? <clears throat> and here's the thing. Part of the reason I love this. As families, we get here, this is something countercultural that we get to. It's a good step in the right direction to spend purposefully. All right, let me wrap this up. I want to wrap it up with a favorite kind of Christmas text. And this comes from a guy who realized spending less would help him not miss Christmas. All right? And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. What if Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more? On the second week of Advent, there's still time. Let's conspire together as a community to approach this Christmas differently, counterculturally. Let's make sure none of us miss Christmas this year. 
And let's not let anything distract us from the remarkable wonder. I'm telling you, let it, let it, let it move in your heart. Let it rattle your brain that God came to be with us, that God is beside us, and that God has become one of us.